In the name of God, the creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. Today is the second Sunday in Lent. And Lent is a season that calls us both individually and collectively to be honest. And today, on our Lenten journey, our Gospel reading is from the 13th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. This section of Luke's Gospel, beginning roughly near the end of chapter 9 and going to about the middle of chapter 19 in Luke's Gospel, is called the Travel Narrative. And in this Travel Narrative, Jesus is moving from Galilee to Jerusalem. And as he travels from Galilee to Jerusalem, he teaches and he instructs. Today we see that as Jesus travels, he teaches, he instructs, and he laments. And today, Luke gives us two critical insights into the ministry and life of Jesus as Jesus travels. For those of you who are interested in technical New Testament studies, these little insights in New Testament studies are called pericopes, insights into the life of Jesus. I find myself, I found myself, as I was uh, reflecting on these texts this week, uh, identifying somewhat with Jesus. Because this week, my wife and I will be traveling to New Mexico to begin a new ministry. And in that ministry, I will be doing a fair amount of teaching. I also find myself lamenting because I will be leaving this beloved community, a community which welcomed us very warmly and in which we have come to know and love you. It has also been a special privilege for me to be able to work alongside your rector, my beloved daughter. Very often in seminary, professors will tell you that it, could be, it is often a disaster for ordained parents to try to work with ordained children in the same parish. But that has not been my experience. It has been primarily for me a pleasure and a learning experience to work with Hannah, and I am very grateful for that opportunity. A lot of that is due to the fact that she has the same patience as her mother. 
The first insight that we are given in Luke's Gospel today is that as Jesus travels and teaches, and primarily as Jesus proclaims the prophetic word that is the very nature of his ministry, that he has called to himself the attention of the local political and he has called to his attention not only <coughs> a particular authority, but the most powerful political authority in the region of Galilee, Herod Antipas. And Luke tells us that some Pharisees, and it's, it's interesting, this is one of the few places in the New Testament where Pharisees are portrayed in a rather favorable light. Pharisees come to Jesus and they warn him. They said, do you realize that Herod wants to kill you? And it is interesting, the response of Jesus. Jesus is not deterred by the fact that the most powerful political leader in the area wants to kill him. Jesus ups the ante. Jesus says to this, these religious leaders, you go tell that old fox, implying a crafty, deceitful person not to be trusted, that I have no intention of changing and engaging in the ministry in which I engage. And he continues his ministry. He continues his prophetic ministry, proclaiming the word that he has been given and that he is. That's insight number one that we're given by Luke. The second insight that we are given by Luke is that no sooner has Jesus declared that he has no intention to being deterred by the threats of violence. He then reflects on where he is headed. He is headed to Jerusalem. Luke says that Jesus reflects on Jerusalem and that he seems to realize that as he goes to Jerusalem and that his, as he continues to engage in his prophetic ministry, as he continues to proclaim the coming reign of God, he seems to sense that as he sheds the light of this prophetic word upon the people in Jerusalem, that it will not be accepted. He knows that there is need for great, great transformation in Jerusalem. He knows, he knows that, that the religious and political institutions of Jerusalem need to be transformed. But he also senses, he also senses that they will not accept what he has to say. He also senses the reality of the rejection of the prophetic word. And Jesus laments over this. 
Luke tells us that Jesus laments. Matthew is more direct. Matthew says Jesus wept. Jesus looks out in his mind's eye over Jerusalem. He's still in Galilee. He's not at Jerusalem yet. He looks out in his mind's eye and he says, Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. How often I would have gathered you. How often would I have gathered the city that kills the prophets. Perhaps he is also sensing that he himself will die a violent death in Jerusalem. How often, he said, would I have gathered you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks? How often I, want, I long to do this and you would have nothing of it. You would have nothing of it. Here we see in Jesus the compassionate, motherly love here we see in Jesus the most profound, I believe, motherly image of God in the New Testament. Here we see in Jesus the very nature of God. God is a mother who longs to embrace us, who longs to shelter us under the, under the shadow of her wings. I believe that as a result of these two insights, we who are on a journey ourselves, a Lenten journey, <coughs> are called to ask, <clears throat> what do these pericopes have to say to us today? What do these two insights have to say in our own lives. And I believe that they pose at least two questions. The first question is how consistent and determined are we in our own prophetic ministry? How persistent and determined are we even in the threats of violence? to continue, to continue on our own ministry. Very often, very often it is so easy for us to say the, the cost is too great and we turn back. But I believe that Luke is saying to us today that just as Jesus when he was confronted, became even clearer about what needed to be done. We are called to do the same. Are we clear? Are we clear as we possibly can be about the need? The need to be very clear that it is always sinful for any bigger, stronger nation 
to seek to impose its will on a smaller nation, whether it be the Soviet Union or the United States? Are we clear? Are we clear as we possibly can be that there is never any justification to engage in violence upon civilian populations? Are we clear, as clear as we possibly can be, that we have a responsibility to seek to shelter all refugees under the shadow of our wings? There are 82 million refugees in our world today. Are we clear? Are we clear? about our own need to respond? Are we clear? Are we clear about our own need to look at how we use our resources? Are we clear? Are we clear as we become aware that nine million people die each year because of pollution? Are we clear about our role in that? Are we clear? Are we clear about our own indifference? Are we clear about our own fear? Jesus calls us today, calls us today to be as clear as we possibly can. Albrecht Camus, who was not a member of the church, addressing a religious order in France, said, your role as Christians is to be so absolutely clear about your stand against injustice and corruption that there can be no doubt in the mind of the simplest person where you stand. Are we clear? Are we clear? Are we clear in our institutional and individual lives? Secondly, I believe that the second insight that Luke gives us that Jesus lamenting calls us to question over what do we lament? What breaks our hearts? This week, or the last few weeks, many of us have felt our hearts broken as we watched refugees fleeing Ukraine, and rightly so. But did our heart break when at our own border we turned away thousands of Haitian refugees? Does our heart break only for blue-eyed people? Does our heart break does our heart break? Do we lament how often have we cried out as we have looked at our own path? Seeing a January 6th attack on the Capitol, a Congress that cannot even pass voting rights legislation, how often have we cried out, oh Washington, oh Washington, how often would we have taken you under our wings and you would not? How often have we looked at our state capital and cried out, oh Austin, oh Austin, why do you want to take away the rights of women? Oh Austin, why do you want to ban 
the teaching of critical race theory when you don't even understand what it is, how often, how often have we lamented how often have we lamented over the 200,000 children in Calcutta under six years old who will never breathe properly because of the polluted air and many of them will die before they are teenagers. How often, how often, how often, oh Washington, how often, oh Austin, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, what breaks your heart? We live in a society where we often confine weeping to the death of close friends. But our gospel calls us today to have a different heart, a different compassion. It calls us to incorporate into our very being the motherly nature of God the motherly, compassionate nature of God that we see in Jesus. You know, very often we, we want to divide people up between those who are sort of pastorally caring people and those who are more prophetic. But in Jesus, you see both. You see, in fact, that it is the compassionate heart that leads to the prophetic. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, not because he hates Jerusalem, but because he loves Jerusalem. As we travel, as we travel, and as we teach, and as we lament, let us pray that we will seek to do all that we do under the shadow of God's wings, under the motherly wings of God, who in her embrace enables us to learn to act, to learn to speak the prophetic word, who learns in the face of opposition to up our resistance. We, we used to say in the civil rights movement that when you died and went to heaven and when St. Peter opened your record book, the main question would be, how many times were you arrested for civil disobedience to fighting racial injustice? We need to learn to up the ante, to be absolutely clear about who we are and where we stand. But we also need, above all, to remember that we cannot do any of this unless we allow ourselves to be embraced by the motherly wings of that loving God who even now wishes to empower us to engage in the ministry in which Jesus engaged and to which he calls us today. Let there be peace among us, and let us never be instruments of our own or anyone else's oppression. Amen.